Tuesday, August 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, David Hansen, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, David Meyer. It's an all-David show. The best kind. Except for except me. Except for you. Except for me, of course. <laughs> I'm just throwing off the curve. Um, you know, other than our lead story, this is very much a, a an all-fashion show. We're going to talk earnings um, yeah, from a couple of companies, uh, guidance. We're going to talk American Eagle. We're going to talk Fossil, Michael Kors. Um, but the story of the day, I will actually give the first word to one of our dozens of listeners, Michael Moore, uh, Morell, excuse me, Michael Morell, who, um, who last night tweeted, just listen to today's episode, how prophetic that newspapers were a topic of conversation, the, predict- the predictive powers of market foolery. <laughs> because yesterday we talked about the New York Times selling the Boston Globe for, I believe, 94% less than what they bought it for. Um, <laughs> but that pales in comparison to the headline news today, which is that Jeff Bezos, the founder and CEO of Amazon.com, is buying the Washington Post for $250 million. This is not an acquisition by Amazon. This is his, his own, own money. money. I believe one percent of his net worth. So it's you know it's nice when you can when you have that kind of disposable income. Somebody on Bloomberg this morning said that supposedly he sold the exact number of shares of Amazon of Amazon stock to fund the cash. I was going to say the yeah, cash purchase. It was a cash deal. He had recently sold some Amazon stock. Um, but we were we were talking a little bit before the taping. This. I'm a subscriber to the Washington Post, and when I picked it up off my front stoop this morning. Three quarters of the front page was dedicated to this story, and it's because of the Graham family, which has owned the newspaper for the better part of a century. Um, but I just when the news broke yesterday, when you first heard the news, David Hansen, I'll just start with you. What what did you think when you saw this? There's all manner of reaction on Twitter, but what did you think when you first saw the news? My first thought was, what am I missing about newspapers? I mean, you guys <laughs> talked about it yesterday. Yes, maybe there's a market for it. We had Buffett. Come yeah, we out. talked about Buffett buying newspapers, and now now Bezos buying it. And that was the first thing. What am I missing? And the second thing is, he bought this himself. It's not an not an Amazon purchase. I was like, yeah. did did he come home and say, hey, I, I bought a newspaper day for only two hundred and fifty million. I hope that's <laughs> I hope that's okay with everyone. So it's it's one percent of his net worth. It's not a huge deal. I mean, one percent of my net worth it'd be me like buying a. Chipotle burrito or something. So it's yeah. not like a, a huge deal to, to Bezos. It's it's certainly interesting. I don't know where exactly he's going to take it, but it's a, it's a cool story. So I, I think it's interesting that we bring up Buffett and Bezos. So Buffett's buying old, you know, Buffett's buying smaller newspapers right. just to take the cash out and do something else with it. I actually think Bezos is going to give a go at bringing uh, a, a, a big, serious newspaper into the digital age. I think he's, I think that is his intent. I I wrote on Twitter last night um, that I was surprised by the reaction of some of the people who work at the Washington Post in reaction to this news, and I get that they were stunned. This was this was very surprising because there had not been any leaks in terms of oh the Graham family's thinking about selling the newspaper. There was right. none of that, and it's also surprising given how long the family has owned the paper somewhere close to, I think it's around 80 years it's been in the family. But that said, the reaction from some of these people on Twitter just, I thought, demonstrated a fundamental lack of business insight because, you know, one one person as opposed to like, well, I guess I have to dust off my resume. You know, it was as though the Grim Reaper had bought the paper <laughs> as opposed to 
someone that Warren Buffett has said, this is the ablest CEO in America. And not for nothing, someone who has a little experience running a business that loses money. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Just sort of he has a vision. Right. And he says, if I'm going to lose money this quarter or even this year. um, And and as a part of that, he's not. He's certainly not afraid to try things as well, um, and and use technology in order to um, to make the experience better. Um, I I you know I think you're I think to say maybe I should dust off my resume. No, maybe why don't you uh, why don't you take this as an opportunity? Yeah. and see you know if you have a pet project that you've been dying to to try at the Washington Post, maybe now's the time. Yeah, I mean it. It's a little bit scary. Anytime your company gets bought, it's going to be, oh, gosh, what's going to happen to my job? But I think this could be a really good thing for just the journalism side of it. And Bezos said, he said, the main focus of this company is still going to be great journalism. And just think about if you're a journalism student from Northwestern and you're sitting there and you want to go to a big paper in the country. I think the Washington Post is probably going to be at the top (laughs) of your list now. You're going to say, I want to go work for the company run by Jeff Bezos. This is going to be really cool, innovative uh, potential newspaper now. So I think maybe short term it's a little scary, but I think he could potentially do something cool with it. Uh, I will just share this one anecdote, which was I think it was the fall of 2005. Uh, I met with the business editor at the Washington Post because uh, a couple months prior, the Los Angeles Times made news around the country because the Los Angeles Times decided to stop printing daily stock tables. And so I was sitting down with the editor at the Post just sort of saying, hey, here's what's going on at The Motley Fool. Here's what we're doing with our business, blah, 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 all that stuff. And she said to me uh, at one point, what did you think about the LA Times and what they did? did you know, we're, we're, and I said, oh, I think it was really smart. I don't know how much money it's saving them. I'm sure it's saving them a ton of money, but you guys should absolutely do that too. And she said, ah, I, you know, we just will hear from our readers. And I said, I understand that, but this is 2005 and people can get stock quotes instantly online and you should do this. And, and sad to say, it was years later, years later that the Washington Post finally stopped printing daily stock tables. So to the point that both of you guys have touched on, I, I, I think and I hope, because I am rooting for the Washington Post, that uh, I think that Jeff Bezos is going to bring uh, an urgency and a focus that um, uh, that could probably be used. And what, one last post on or point on Buffett is I saw a headline today that his initial investment in the Washington Post. So the Washington Post isn't just a newspaper. I think that's worth noting too. They have other lines of business. This is just a newspaper, right. That is being sold, and they own other regional newspapers in yeah. the in the greater D.C. area, right? Uh, so I saw Buffett's Washington Post investment is up nine thousand percent. So when, when Catherine Graham came aboard, I think it was in the early 70s, maybe in the 60s, she didn't have experience running a newspaper, running a company. And she brought in a guy that not a lot of people knew, his name was Warren Buffett, to be the voice of the company in terms of capital allocation. And Buffett started accumulating shares in the 70s. And has really he really put a mark on that company where they were heading at the time. So it's been a nice day and a nice run for Mr. Buffett as well. What a surprise. Yeah. Uh, American Eagle warned on second quarter profits and uh, the warning was apparently all some people needed because shares down 16% this morning. Um, uh, I've, I've said before, I love my teenage daughter, but I would never invest in a company that uh, that caters to the whims of her and her friends. Um, how how bad is this? I guess is my question. Well, when you cut your profit projection in more by more than fifty percent, 
um, and you're expected to release that profit, uh, release those profit projections in in on a- August the 21st. Um, that means things are probably pretty bad right now. Um, the other thing is sales are expected to decline two percent, and same store sales, which they thought were going to be flat, are going to be down seven percent. Um, the the comp- management has said basically we didn't buy the right stuff, and as a result, we got to mark it down. And so once once you start playing that game, it gets tough. This is this are, there's not going to be a quick turnaround. We've seen this from a number of teen retailers in the past. It takes a while to get rid of that inventory, get rid of, get the right inventory in. Most importantly, it takes time to change the attitude of the consumer coming in. Um, when you guys look at apparel retailers, I know we focus on businesses and we our our goal is almost always I want to buy a great company I want to hold it for as long as I can mm-hmm. but given how it seems like apparel retail is really not cyclical but it just seems like they're trading places all of the American <laughs> Eagle Abercrombie and Fitch Gap etc cetera, etc cetera. it seems like one has a great year and then they tank and then you know and then they just trade places do do you look at these apparel retailers in that manner? Do you look at them with a, I guess, a shorter leash than you do other retail companies? Personally, I'm not a big fan of this retail space you mentioned. I'm not going to invest based on what teenage girls like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you look at a stock like American Eagle, you can look at it from one perspective and say, this stock is cheap because it is. It's a lot cheaper today than it was yesterday, sure. surely. Uh, so there's definitely potential for I don't know, maybe a buyout, a turnaround, that this stock does perform well in the long run. But like you mentioned, we focus on buying great businesses here. And if I'm looking at American Eagle today and buying it and not looking at it, not looking at it for five years, so say I put away my portfolio for five years and open it back up, I am not confident that American Eagle is even going to be around in five years. So from a stock perspective, this may be successful for some people that see value in some of the businesses. But from foolish investing, buying great businesses, I just don't know if this fits the bill. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I, I agree 100%. Um, it, there are a number of competitors out there, and they're all trying to do the same thing. And that, the same thing recently has been a lot of promotion. That just doesn't help. Uh, that doesn't help the whole industry, right? right? It brings down prices, it changes mindsets, and it's tough to uh, tough to change things back. It is interesting to think uh, about what is it about maybe three five years ago we thought the gap was on death's door. And, oh sure, yeah. And now it's it's the uh, it's it's being held up as the gold standard today. So you know they they do. You're right. They trade places and. You know, maybe you can squeak out some excess returns uh, when when uh, when the negativity is is highest. But uh, it's a game I prefer not to play. Uh, sticking uh, with this space, fossil, which uh, I guess sort of luxury accessories, watches, that sort of thing. Uh, yesterday we talked about this briefly on Investor Beat because an analyst at Barclays. Uh, shares of Fossil were down on Monday about 5% because an analyst at Barclays had downgraded the stock. He had lowered his price target. Uh, David Hanson, I have to believe that guy or gal is having a bad day because Fossil reported uh, second quarter earnings this morning. Profits much higher than expected. Revenue higher than expected. They raised guidance. It seemed like it was just, you know, 
if you're Not in Vegas playing slots, it's cherries across the board here. <laughs> it's and he just gave up the seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you I think it brings up a good point about these Wall Street analysts that put out recommendations that follow the companies. You got to look at where their priorities are. And a couple months ago, over on fool.com, our colleagues John Reeves and Elon Moskovitz, they looked at what are the priorities of these Wall Street analysts. So, if you go down the checklist, it is expertise of the industry, expertise of the company, uh, availability to the management uh, so that they can promote all these things to their hedge fund clients, to their institutional investor clients. That's their main focus. The very bottom of the list, priorities for these analysts, was, was issuing buy, sell, hold recommendations. So if you're an investor out there that looks at these analyst recommendations, that is not their job. They're not in the business of making successful stock picks. That's not what they really care about. They care about giving access to hedge funds, saying, hey, look, we've talked to the fossil management. We can give you this information, and they pay for it. So it just highlights the lack of importance of these ratings. They can move the stock. Great. But if you're an investor that really depends on those ratings, I think you may be looking at it a little bit incorrectly. Now, is Fossil, um, and, and I suppose you could, you could take a company like, like Coach and Michael Kors, which we'll talk about shortly, are, I sort of view them as separate, and I don't own any of these stocks, but I view them as, uh, um, I guess I'd put it this way, if a teen apparel retailer is doing a great job and executing well and the stock is doing well, I think, I look at that and I think, that's great, but I don't know that that's going to last. Whereas I look at a Fossil and think, you know what, the, the, it, it seems like if they're doing well, if they're executing well, that seems more sustainable to me. It seems like a more sustainable advantage. Is that? Do you view it that way? I, I think it is. They're, most of their sales are wholesale. So they sell to the Nordstrom's of the world, JCPenney, Dillard's, et cetera. So that's around 75% of their sales goes to those is wholesale clients, retail clients. And I, th- I thought it was interesting. I saw in their 10K that no one retailer accounts for more than 10% of the sales. So it's not like they're selling only to Nordstrom, right. only to JCPenney. So they are fairly diversified. They sell in Europe. They sell in Asia. They're guiding up on margins. So I think it's a fairly attractive business. It's certainly a lot more attractive than American Eagle, like you mentioned uh, so yeah, I mean, it makes sense why the stock is having such a great day. Yeah, I mean, the retailer does have to take the inventory risk, right? That's something that uh, that Fossil doesn't necessarily have as much of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they do have to make sure that they sell good products to those retailers, right, for resale. Um, but uh, but Fossil has proven they you know they certainly understand the lines of business that they're in. The one the one concern I would have with Fossil is. Where do they sit on the spectrum of high-end, low-end? You mentioned we're going to talk about Michael Kors. That skews more to the high-end along with Coach. Fossils, they're not quite, they're not quite high-end, but they're not dirt cheap either. If you go on, their, their watches can be 200 bucks or so, so not outrageous. But it's kind of an iffy <laughs> where, they're, where are they aiming, who are you trying to get to, because you're not getting those clients that want to – no one's no one's walking around being like, "Ooh, look at my fossil watch! I'm so fancy." <laughs> that you're not going to attract the high end customers in China necessarily with fossil watches. So you're in kind of a middle class uh, target market, which can be a little bit more susceptible to uh, swoops in the economy. They they have made that cheap chic work though. Mm-hmm. Uh, before our final story, I should mention uh, Twitter Revolution, the new CNBC primetime original 
airs Wednesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, Carl Cantania from CNBC was our guest on the Motley Fool Money Radio Show last weekend. Uh, you can check out that interview. R- really great preview. And uh, as I said on the radio show, I've, I've seen an advanced uh, screening of this. It is a phenomenal phenomenal documentary that they have put together, uh, not just on Twitter, the business, but also the, the, the effect that Twitter has on so many industries. Uh, speaking of Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter, at MarketFoolery is our handle. Um, got a nice message from Tom Martin in Kentucky uh, on the story. One of the stories we talked about yesterday, um, uh, Look Who's on Top Now, which was the Wall Street Journal story. Um, uh, that Mark Hulbert wrote over the weekend, um, uh, and Tom included the hashtag "dozens of listeners." I love that. I love it. It's like a code. It's like a secret handshake when you know when we have like uh, events with MDP or something, and someone's like, "I'm one of your dozens of listeners." Well, I, I got to tell you, Matt Kopenheffer and I do our our daily banking and finance show, and we stole your we stole your line. We have a half dozen listeners. Half dozen viewers. We'll up you there. Uh, There's and, uh, room to grow. Exactly. Uh, and a nice email from um, a longtime listener, Monty. Singleton in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, congrats on getting the gold, silver, and bronze from the Wall Street Journal. Funny enough, those three newsletters are my primary ingredient. My primary ingredients that I blended into 24% annual returns over the past five years. They sound like three different strategies, but they are all the same: purchasing companies that are dramatically mispriced by the market. Uh, so uh, thank you, Monty, for that. Uh, last story: Michael Kors first quarter profit up. Eighty-two percent, and I know that we talk about. Sometimes it's like, well, they had a they had a weak comp. It was an easy to beat comp. I'm sorry, when your profits are up eighty-two <laughs> percent, that's impressive. Yes, that that is definitely impressive. Um, you know, when you look at some of the other numbers they put up, though, uh, also equally impressive. Fifty-two uh, percent increase in sales, twenty-seven percent increase in same store sales. Um, it's pretty incredible that their stores continue to be that productive, um, especially when uh, they opened up 75 uh, net, opened up 75 new stores uh, in in the quarter. That's just, uh, I'm sorry, from a year ago. Um, that's that's incredible. This company is firing on all cylinders right now. How many locations roughly do they have right now? Oh man, you stumped me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I didn't mean to you know, blindside you with that. Um, I, I can but come, it, come back to it. Okay, it is one of those things, though, um, David. That you know, I, I'm I'm amazed. I, I know that we never want to focus too much on one metric, but 27 percent same store sales growth. Yeah. Again, even if you're operating off of a low comp, that's Crazy. They're they're the opposite of American Eagle. I mean, <laughs> everyone's everyone's no one's buying American Eagle, and apparently everyone's buying Michael Kors. And we always say that Michael Kors is nipping at the heels of a company like Coach. They're basically the same size company now. I think that's yeah. important. Their market cap is both around, I think, fifteen billion. So Michael Kors, they're not this small startup right. that is nipping at the heels of Coach. They're right. Doing well. Yeah, they're probably taking chunks out of heels now. Yeah. I don't think there's little little nips. Uh, by the way, uh, 304 stores as of March 30th, 2013. Okay, so, so I mean, a, a, a net addition of 75, that's a pretty significant That's a pretty big uptick. number, yes. Um, is there... More than 20%. Uh, yeah, is there is there a concern, um, and I've, I've talked before about um, Whole Foods and their... Attempts to grow their footprint. There are times that I look at it and I think, "Gosh, you guys really aren't moving fast enough." <laughs> um, 
uh, on the flip side, do you look at, or if you are a shareholder of Michael Kors, do you look at that and say, boy, I really hope you know what you're doing growing your storefront <laughs> because that can just be – um, you can you can overshoot on that. Well, you certainly can. Um, you know, th- right now, obviously, um, they are striking while the iron is hot. Uh, their their brands are 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 in fashion. There's a lot of customers coming in and buying their stuff, and they're putting out uh, new stuff all the time. So they are taking advantage of it. You know, but as we've said, fashion can be fickle. There could be a time when Michael Kors stuff uh, is is not. You know, in the in crowd, yep. and at that point, a big store, you know, a big store base can become a liability. That's clearly not happening now, though. <laughs> um, if I offered you a hundred dollar gift certificate to Michael Kors, Fossil, or American Eagle, what are you taking, David Hansen? I'll go with Michael Kors. I'll get the girlfriend a birthday present or something that'll pay for it. Can no. you really get something for $100 at Michael Kors? Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just well, actually, actually, speaking, I'm just teasing. <laughs> speaking of gift cards, I was talking to Matt Copenheffer before the show about American Eagle, and he was like, I think someone gave me an American Eagle gift card in 1998 that I still haven't <laughs> used. So that just shows you uh, how, how well they're doing there. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty astonishing. Well, David, David, where are you taking the uh, gift card? You know, I'm, taking, I'm going to Fossil. I think I can get a little more bang for my buck. Cheap Chic is definitely me. Are you are you going with a watch though? Because I, I realize as I, I I know they have other products, but I associate Fossil first and foremost with watches. I look around the room; none of us are wearing watches. Uh, if you gave me a hundred dollar gift card, I probably would wear a watch. <laughs> <laughs> David Meyer, David Hanson, gentlemen, thank you for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.